Rink-wide Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game. Presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you once again. Another edition of the post-game show as the Boa Constrictor comes out again and suffocates the Canucks. The Boa Constrictor being the LA Kings in a 3-0 victory. And, I mean, it's just low-event hockey when you play the Kings. That's the way they like it, J-Pat. And they get their couple of goals and then they just move on. You had me excited there for a sec. I thought maybe like a snake had escaped from the LA Zoo and I missed it. And I, I was like, yeah, hey, that would have cool. made the game good, really. Slithering all over the ice at crypto. Uh, yeah, that would have provided some entertainment because outside of about uh, a 45 second span, midway through the second, when the two teams uh, all of a sudden acted like they didn't like each other, yeah, uh, there just wasn't a whole lot to this hockey game. Credit to Jonas Corposalo. He's battling with Phoenix Copley, trying to be the guy when playoffs start next week for the LA. Kings, and that'll give Todd McClellan something to think about. The Canucks didn't test him much, just 20 shots on goal, only six in the third period when they were down one nothing to start the third. You would like to have seen some kind of push from the Vancouver Canucks, but uh, offense is becoming a massive issue, and Rick Tockett hinted at it uh, a couple of games ago and then made some switches trying to find something that would work, and instead it kind of backfired here, and they get uh, blanked by the Kings, and you look at the last three games against the Los Angeles Kings, when you talk about the, the Boa Constrictor the Canucks won the last time they were down in L.A., but uh, got out shot 40-16, to 16, and they won in a shootout, scored twice. Then L.A. was in Vancouver recently. Kings beat them 4-1, to one, so the Canucks scored twice in L.A., once at home, and then get blanked here. Three goals in their last three games against the Los Angeles Kings. That's what the Kings like to do to opponents. We'll see if the Kings can do that to their playoff opponent, whoever it is. But just keep in mind, too, as you're trying to assess the Vancouver Canucks and are they making strides under Rick Tockett and do they have the right pieces? You know, are they only a piece or two away? They scored three goals in their last three games against the Los Angeles Kings, who could wind up being a wild card team in the West. Like, they're still in a battle with Seattle. They both won tonight. And so when all the dust settles here, the Kings might just be a wild card team, and they're doing that to the Vancouver Canucks defensively. So... Uh, again, we're looking late in the season for indications of growth from this hockey club, and it just kind of feels now like the wind is out of the Canucks' sails. They can see the finish line. There's two games to go, but you know, I hope that they. Uh, no, you know, the Anaheim Ducks certainly aren't the LA Kings. The Arizona Coyotes aren't the LA Kings. I hope that there's a little left in the tank from the Vancouver Canucks. I'm not sure I want to sit through two more games like this one here, but pregame, postgame. Every game, we can't be selective with the post-game podcast. We'll be here regardless, but uh, I hope the Canucks look a little bit better and provide a little more entertainment, just a little more juice in Anaheim on Tuesday night. Yeah, not a whole lot when you just sort of look at the notes and you and you go through you know the chances on the night. Uh, I mean, I thought Besser had a good chance in the second period. Uh, Corpusalo with a big pad save there, but really it just everything was perimeter, and that's the way LA likes to play. That it's hard to get in the inside with them. It's Again, like I said, low event, and, and they play it to a key. You're right, though, when it comes to the offense with the Vancouver Canucks. Was a strength of theirs, and has sort of diminished as the season sort of gone on, and they've sort of tightened up defensively as well. So you can see maybe why the offense would sort of take a hit a little bit. But they got to figure something out here, and I know it's only a couple more games left, but you're still evaluating as you go into the, the, the big summer that Rick Tockett keeps talking about. And right now, I mean, it's offense is hard to come by. I know Quinn Hughes tried his best in the third period. He was trying hard, 
uh, to get himself a goal, but just not a whole lot as you go through the notes and sort of look at what you got from the Canucks. Uh, they didn't really generate a whole lot of chances to be able to get that offense. No, and let's start with Quinn Hughes because we have w- witnessed a little bit of history here. And, you know, I thought Shorty did a nice job on the broadcast. Tried to set it up. Like, you're not being critical. Nobody's being critical of Quinn Hughes. But he's gone five games without a point, and that has never happened in his National Hockey League That's career. Wild. So, yeah. again, that just speaks to his productivity, his consistency, his ability to drive play, the way he runs a power play. And yeah, he was fighting through strep last week, and he may not be 100%. He might be run down from all the ice time. He was up over 26 minutes, played more than half of the third period. So to your point, yeah, I mean, he was busting it in third there, trying to make some things happen. But just I, I want to note at the very least that we've never seen it from Quinn Hughes five games. And I don't think anybody's panicking. Uh, you know, it, it's just uh, you remark about it because it hasn't happened, and it's so out of character for him. But uh, you know, if he's not going, the power play's not going. Elias Pettersson's not picking up his points. JT Miller hasn't been terribly productive. As I look through my notes from this hockey game, I, I thought Besser had a, probably the best chance in the first period off left wing. He's a right shot guy. He was on his off wing, and they got the, I think it was Giuseppe, got the puck to him off the rush. And he got a pretty good snapshot away, but Corpusello made that save. The one that you talked about from Miller with about six and a half minutes to go in the second, like that. And Brock Besser has owned the LA Kings like in a strange sort of way. He's had so much success against the Kings. You almost felt like, all right, if he gets that look, he's going to score, but uh, didn't go his way. Uh, the best Canuck chance, I think, of all was JT Miller on the power yes. play, though, right? Yeah. Sprung by, by yeah. Quinn Hughes. And we've seen Miller score power play breakaways in the past. Uh, wasn't able to convert there. And really in the third period, uh, Pedersen took one to the net on his own through traffic and the puck kind of followed him. And I thought, wouldn't that be a cool way to get to the century mark? If somehow that puck scored it through, cause uh, it looked like he was going to lose possession, but it kind of, you know, the good ones, the puck follows them around and he did get the puck to the net ultimately, but uh, it, a fairly routine save for Corpus there. Tyler and, Myers right on the doorstep there as well. And that was yeah. right after he uh, made that gaffe on the Gavrikov oh. goal. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> but really, like, outside of that, like, I look in the third period, and that's why I say just six shots on goal. Like, yeah. look, I don't care if the Canucks win. Uh, the Kings have way more to play for. Todd McLellan's trying to get his guys to tidy up and, and get ready for the playoffs. But, you know, if I'm Rick Tockett, I, I sure as hell want to see more than six shots on goal in the third period. And, again, it felt like the Canucks just went pretty quietly, I thought, in this one. And so that part's disappointing. And it follows a game where... They had a 2-0 lead at home against Calgary the other night. Now, they ended up winning in the shootout, but both their goals came in the first period. They didn't generate much over the final 40 there, so they've got five periods of hockey now without scoring a goal. The last Canuck to score was Elias Pettersson with the, the shorthanded breakaway, but the last even-strength goal was scored by Cole McWard uh, to open the scoring against Calgary the other night. And then, you know, you go back even further than that, the game before the Calgary game with Chicago, they blanked the Blackhawks 3-0, JT Miller scores an empty netter. Vitaly Kravtsov got the funky bounce off Seth Jones on the power play. And Kuzmenko scored in the first period. So they scored once in each of the periods against the Blackhawks. I mean, the the fact that I can rattle these off the top of my head tells you that they haven't scored many goals. They have eight goals in their last five hockey games. And one of them was JT Miller's empty netter. So where is the offense gone? Like it has just completely vanished for the Vancouver Canucks. And outside of the Kravtsov goal and Cole McWard, like, look, primary scoring is hard to come by. Secondary scoring, though, 
has completely disappeared. Like, remember for a quick run there, Dakota Joshua was the flavor of the week because this guy was scoring goals and making things happen. Joshua's gone eight without a goal. Nils Amon's gone 15 now without a goal. Sheldon Drys has gone nine. PDG is a second-line guy. You're not expecting a ton from him, but he's gone seven. Jack Stadnik has gone 22 without scoring a goal. And then you get to other guys. You know, Bovillier's got two in his last 14. Besser has one in six. Garland has one in a nine. And then Miller's got one in nine, and it was the empty netter against the Blackhawks. I mean, there you go. They're their forwards. Those are not pretty numbers to finish the season here. So you'd like to see against an Anaheim team that uh, is absolutely in the toilet and then Arizona on Thursday night. A little bit more, just a little bit more of a push from the Vancouver Canucks offensively. Boy, that's a big batch of numbers that hurt right I there. Know. Holy. I know. Uh, let's get to that Myers gaff because really Nils Amon's in on this one as well on the Gavrikov goal that made it 2 nothing in the third period there. Uh, Myers with a fumble and then LA goes the other way. But then Nils Amon just doesn't get his man and Gavrikov just walks right down. Uh, through the slot and buries it. And, you know, again, the, the Canucks have been better defensively and, you know, Nils Amon has been uh, good defensively. And honestly, Tyler Myers has cleaned it up a, a, a bit as well, but that one they did not look good on. No, and I guess I'd have to go back and look officially. I, you're right, Myers, we've seen that play from him. You know, the puck just explodes. It's a grenade on him on his stick, and then he compounds. There's a bit of panic. And then trouble sets in. Deneau is pressuring him, uh, turns the puck over, and then you're right. Like, Gavrikov is the trailer. Was Amon, like, had he left the zone, or were they changing? It looked to me like he was hustling to get into the play. I thought maybe he had come off the bench. So I'd have to go back and and look at his shift charge on, on that one, whatever the case. You know, Myers has the puck under control for a moment. You're expecting a veteran guy to be able to make a play in that situation. So, uh, yeah, that one wasn't pretty. And Gavrikov uh, jumps up into the play. And, of course, uh, that could be future Vancouver Canucks. I was going to say that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll see about that. right? Yeah, He's uh, king for now, though, and they're happy they made the trade to get him with Columbus along with Corpus So the trade paid off in a big way for them tonight. Uh, Gavrikov scores and then... uh, you know, Drew Doughty with the empty netter to seal it. And again, I mean, the Canucks a nice kept, looking empty netter. It was. I mean, it hits well. the middle and a great curling shot. But, you know, the Canucks pulled the goalie with 2.15 to go and did nothing. Like they mounted nothing. And then Doughty scores with, what was it, 90 seconds remaining. And at that point, it's uh, over. They put Delia back in net. But you're right. Like at one nothing, Canucks have a period, make something happen. Um, but at two nothing, it felt just like a, the way this game was going. The tenor of it at two nothing, it felt like it was game over. Well, what did you think of the fights there in the uh, second <laughs> uh, period? Dries and, and and Dursey going again. I hate those fights that you have to you know you have to do because you, you hit a guy clean. And Lazat was falling when it happened as well. Like you know, Dries's impact maybe not necessarily was all of it for him to go down, but he has to answer the bell. And honestly, thought he did a good job with it. Well, it's funny because, again, there was no feeling in this hockey game. Uh, like, And it didn't even feel like there was a threat of feeling. Like, It really kind of felt like two teams that were going through the motions headed in different directions. And then out of nowhere, there's the one shift where bodies start flying all over the place. And and then you're right, drives and jersey. And for middleweights, like they were chucking them. There was no defense being played in that fight. Uh, and, and it's funny because I had to go back and look. I remember Sheldon Drives got in a scrap with Connor Murphy in Rick Tockett's debut against Chicago. I had forgot about his fight against Nathan Walker in St. Louis. So since Tockett's taken over, 
Sheldon Dries, of all people, is tied with Kyle Burroughs for the most fights on the Vancouver Canucks. They both had three now. And the first two, you know, whatever Dries is trying to carve out a career in the National Hockey League. Like, uh, I'll rarely question the guy's effort, but I didn't know that he could throw him like that. Like, that was... Those guys were, they meant business in that fight. So, and it was funny, the Canuck reaction, JT Miller's at the bench. He's all fired up. Uh, Connor Garland was trying to hop over the boards. And then all of a sudden the fight got close to him. You could see like panic. He was trying to get into the bench so that he didn't get caught uh, in the middle of that fight. Uh, so yeah, like where that one came from, who knows? And then there like moments later, Miller had the break on the power play because uh, Dursey got the extra two. And then Dakota Joshua crashed into Corpusello, and that sort of drew some attention. And I thought, okay, maybe this game, like maybe it is going to heat up here. Uh, and then it kind of went quiet again. And I know Miller and Kempe were kind of jawing at each other, but Adrian Kempe should probably stick to scoring goals. He does it really well. He's got 38 of them. Not so much when it comes to fighting. Keep the gloves on. I think he's better with the gloves on for the LA Kings. So I'm not sure where that came from. I mean, we know that Miller can get pissed off, and and he's done some of that in his time with the Canucks. Uh, I think uh, they said just the third fight of Kempe's career. In fact, I was surprised that it was that many. Uh, not a whole lot there. I think we would give JT Miller the unanimous decision, wouldn't we? Yeah, and so, yeah, it was. It's well, it it looked like it started off something where they collided earlier, but I mean, maybe this goes further back. I don't know. Yeah. But and so it does seem kind of strange that. You know, because Miller will throw it, but Kempe, like, really? What are you doing there? Well, that's what I mean. He's, uh, he's far more valuable to the Kings for the five yes, minutes that he yeah. could be on the ice instead of in the penalty box. But you're absolutely right. Like, it, that could have been something to spark the Canucks, and it just did yeah. not at, at all. And, of course, you know, the Kaliev goal coming after uh, the Dries and Jersey fight there as well. So, yeah, again, the, although the Canucks bench uh, was, was definitely geared up after it, they, they didn't end up. Uh, being able to get any energy off of that fight. I thought Colin Delia was okay tonight. Um, you know, listen, the Kings are as much as they, you know, don't give up a lot of chances. They don't get a lot of huge grade A chances. And I, I thought Delia for the most part, uh, was okay. Basically playing in his hometown, right? It's yep. what the, is Rancho Cucamonga is like, what, 45 minutes down the road, something like that. So yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say close to an hour inland. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you'd call it like on the fringes of suburban Los Angeles, certainly a Southern California guy. Um, yeah, I mean, when I look at uh, the chances, Gavrikov uh, in the first period, backdoor, and PDG took the, the slashing penalty there. Uh, Adrian Kemp had a good chance, shorthanded, held onto the puck and got a pretty good shot away. Um, you know, it, again, it was fairly low event, as we said. The shots were 28-20, so Delia... You know, he wasn't overly busy. There was that scramble play in the third period where he kind of got caught out of the net. And then JT Miller, when he was trying to feed it back to deal in, he looked like he stick handled it at some point. I thought like that, yeah, that was, was weird. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna Especially squeeze. between those two guys with the history, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> Imagine if it had gone in, Miller. <laughs> Just like screaming at him. Just lose it I all. told you to cover that. <laughs> Uh, so, Let's not two on one with Kaliev. That was a good save with Delia yeah. in the third. And also the more, uh, it was basically right. a partial breakaway. That was a nice save by Delia as well. Again, like he wasn't the reason they lost this game. Is my No, no not at all. And, and Rick Tockett's already laid out his goaltending plan. It'll be Demko in Anaheim. And then uh, Delia will get the game in Phoenix on uh, Thursday, game 82 of the season. You know, the Canucks catch a bit of a break. Kings are gearing up for the playoffs. Uh, Kevin Fiala didn't play any of the final three games against the Canucks. He has played sporadically since getting hurt about a month ago, but they have been selective where they've played him. Obviously he's, I mean, he's tied with Kopitar for the team lead. He is 
probably their most dangerous guy, although Kempe is their leading goal scorer. But, I mean, they're a much better team with Kevin Fiala in there. And certainly in tight games, they would love to have him, but they're resting him up to make sure that he's uh, as close to 100% as he can be for the postseason. So the Canucks didn't have to contend with Kevin Fiala. That might have uh, made the job that much tougher for them and for Colin Delia. But uh, yeah, I mean, Delia stops 25 of 27 on the night. Uh, you know, it was a 2 nothing game until the empty netter. But boy, if you look at the the underlying numbers, I mean, the Kings control 62, almost 63% of the shot attempts at even strength. So, you know, that's how they like to play, right? Like, they like to have the puck. They've got four lines. They're fairly interchangeable. Uh, the line that opened the scoring, that Cali of Lazat, IFLO line, like, they're effective. Like, those guys, like, Lazat's just a little worker bee that gets around and kind of, you know, is not afraid to mix it up. IFLO had the big night here in Vancouver not that long ago, and, you know, Cali has got some skill, obviously, and, and had the finish. That was a strange goal just because it went in. Like, yeah, the two whacks at it. And it went in off the back of the net and then sort of out between the legs of Delia. Nobody seemed, even Cali didn't seem sure. yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just wonder, and again, there's so many moving parts. We don't know who they're going to match up with. If they get the Oilers, though, for a second straight season, like they're going to try to frustrate the Oilers. They're going to try to, you know, shut down and clamp down. We're talking McDavid and Dreisaitl. And, you know, just over the course of a seven-game series, like, you can try hard to keep those guys in check. Nobody can do it. And if the Oilers get a lead, I just wonder, like, you know, that's going to pull the Kings. You, you can't win in a shootout in the playoffs. Like, somebody's got to score for you. And, again, they'll have Fiala, they think. But I just I wonder what happens if the Oilers get a lead and you kind of break the Kings down a little bit and force them out of their comfort zone to take some chances. Uh, I just I don't know that they're going to be able to slow down the offensive firepower of the Edmonton Oilers, but they may not get the Oilers. So we'll wait and see. We won't spend, I mean, we'll have time on other pods to look at potential playoff matchups, but that's my one concern for them is do they, now they've got a really good power play. It only had one opportunity tonight, but it's a top five power play in the league. Um, you know, maybe they can do some damage there. Uh, but I mean, whoever draws the Oilers is obviously going to be a tough the way McDavid and, and dry uh, go about their business. So, you know, for the, the Canucks in this one, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I had hoped that, and results don't matter. We know that, right? Like, so the fact that they lose a lot of people happy about that. It was official when Ottawa won that, uh, the Canucks are at least going to have some balls in the Connor Bedard lottery. They know that much. Um, it's still a question of where they're going to finish and what their odds are going to be, but uh, they cannot catch the Ottawa Senators, so we know that uh, you know they're not going to finish uh, any higher than a team like Ottawa, and that's going to give them an opportunity, as slim as it is, in the, the draft lottery on May the 8th. Uh, when I look at the Canucks, I mean, they're 36, 37, and 7 now, so 79 points in the 80 games that they have played. They can max out at 83 if they win their next two, and under Rick Tockett now, they are 18, 12, and 4. So 18 wins and 16 losses since the coaching change. And as we said, you know, Tockett's made some changes. But when you look at the overall way that the Canucks are playing, like, I, and we'll hear from him, but I'd have to think he's disappointed with the process, not the result. I mean, losses are going to happen against playoff teams. That's not the issue here. And it's not about the two points that the Canucks did or didn't get. It's just how much fight do they have left in them and the fact that they got outshot and just outplayed generally. 
again, I, I would think that Rick Tockett can't be that thrilled with the way that this one went down. Yeah, but I mean, they got the Anaheim Ducks and then the <laughs> Arizona Coyotes on the schedule next. So maybe that's just what will sort of cure them uh, over these next couple games here. But And maybe they'll be able to find some offense against a, a couple of, you know, "Quote unquote bottom feeders in the NHL as well. well. The Ducks, the Ducks are the get well card. Right, Ducks have lost eleven straight. Yeah, so yeah, they're brutal. Uh, Canucks will want to make that the dirty dozen on Tuesday night. Um, you know, it's it funny when I talked about like I ran through all those numbers earlier about guys that haven't scored in a while. Um, and again, from a coaching perspective, goals from the depth guys like that's gravy, right? Like y- you need some of that somewhere along the line. But if you're in the bottom six role, generally you have other functions that you're expected to do. You look at, like, if we go under the hood in this one, like, the shots were 11 to 1 for the Kings with Nils Amon on the ice in this hockey game. Woof. And 10 to 1 when Jack Stadnik is out there. Like, Amon's probably got his spot locked up on this team for next year moving forward. But a guy like Stadnika, like, there has to be more. There, you, you can't spend your entire night in the, in the defensive zone. Like, this is a guy that's got to use his speed and get in on the forecheck, but. There can't be a forecheck if you're pinned in your own end and you can't get the puck out. So uh, that's just a tough night all around for uh, for that line. And, you know, even other guys, like, you know, I look at the number, like Beauvillier, it was a tough night for him. I uh, started the night down a little lower in the lineup with Garland and, and Dries. Um, you know, I didn't notice. I mean, really, honestly, the time that I noticed Beauvillier in this hockey game is when uh, he and Garland kind of got double teamed, crashed into the sideboards there. And um, yeah, Garland panicked a little bit, wanted to. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Thought the trainer needed to come out there. I mean, I'm yeah. glad Bavilli, uh, it turns out he was okay, but um, you know, just taking a look at the underlying numbers. Oh, they're uh, bad. Like yeah, I mean, 10, to, 10 to two for the yeah. Kings when Bovillier's out there. So yeah. like, we're talking the bottom six, like this is, we know that the Canucks have a top six that jet, you know, most nights can hold its own right, right now. Maybe not, but whether it's Patterson, whether it's Miller, whether it's uh, Kuzmenko, you know, like they, we know that they've got enough top end scoring. They're trying to figure out what they've got lower in the lineup. And quite frankly, with these guys that are in these lengthy scoring droughts and then nights like this where they're getting out played badly, like that's that's a bad look for for those guys who should just be busting their asses for work. In the National Hockey League. Yeah, Corsi 4 for uh, Beauvillier, just under 26%. Jack Zanika, 21 and a half. Nils Amon's just under a shade, under 16%. Yeah. Uh, expected goals. I mean, Beauvillier at 8%. Like, just, Oof. yeah, not, not a lot of good there in the underlying stats uh, for those guys. What I thought was good in this game, and I love these, I think I've said it before on this podcast, are those king silver buckets? Boy, those are fantastic! <laughs> I absolutely love it. I, I don't know. I mean, that to me tonight, the uniform battle was what what made the game because I love the Canucks blacks and the Kings were looking fantastic as well in those throwback nineties and those silver buckets as well. And also got to say, uh, you know, pretty classy of the Kings uh, to acknowledge Cheech there. Yep, uh, on the jumbotron, and of course Luke Robitaille just coming in in the middle of the broadcast. Like, <laughs> sure, he wasn't sure he wasn't quite sure what to do, but I guess that was all unannounced and unscripted. <laughs> you know, there's TV timeouts. You played this game, Luke. Yeah, you know that, no, you're right. <laughs> you're right. And and then like came in and didn't have the bottle and had to go find the bottle and bring it back. And <laughs> and for the longest time, that was standing up as absolutely the highlight of this hockey yeah, game, true. without a doubt. Uh, the uniforms. I agree with you. I think for me, it could have gone one level higher 
And that would have, if the Kings had worn the old white with purple and gold, like the original old, old, old school home. I love the purple. Oh, me too. Uh, yeah, but I and I like the silver buckets. Like I, I, yeah. I would down with that. I, I like the matchup, but I just and again, the Canucks taking their blacks out on the road. I don't know if they're going to wear them in Anaheim and and Arizona, but they've got them. So uh, why wouldn't you continue to to roll them out? But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, stylistically, like on the fashion front, it, it was a sharp looking hockey game. The game itself uh, didn't live up to that standard, but uh, overall, uh, just aesthetically. Yeah, it was a very nice-looking hockey game. Like a Hollywood movie on Rotten Tomatoes, I would have given this game a 4 out of 10, but the uh, uniforms, I'll give a 10 out of 10. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Okay, coming down in three, two. Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog. Free casino games, poker tips, and the latest sports odds make a play. Let's. Make a beeline into the dressing room here from the head coach, a couple of the players as well. Rick Tockett, uh, just talking about how, you know, they played okay, but they just didn't generate enough. Yeah, we didn't have a lot of chances. Um, a lot of guys played hard, though. But we had uh, quite a few guys that played hard, which was nice to see. But, uh, yeah, we had we had a tough time generating offense. So what makes them so tough to try to get chances against? Well, they, they, they play a good structured game. Sometimes when we did have it, I thought we could have beat uh, beat people to the net and throw stuff there or um, sometimes you know like when you play man on man team man on man if you don't like attack after you beat pressure it's going to be tough to score honestly the LA Kings might be the kind of dream team that Rick Tockett would like to have yeah, right yeah. like they play structurally well and they play very well along the walls as well yeah and he also said that uh, he admired the fact that the Kings look comfortable in a scoreless game and it becomes that who's going to blink first. And he said that his team has to get to that point that they're not there yet. And I thought that was an interesting sort of observation on his part. And I think he's right about the Kings. They play so many. They're a lot like Minnesota. They score a lot of, you know, play a lot of low event games, but that's how they're built and that's how they want to play. So yeah, there's comfort level there. And that, that's their identity, really going back to the, the cup winning teams as well. You know, they've kind of turned those guys over and just sort of brought the uh, sort of 2.0 of those Kings type players. So as an organization, they've done a, a hell of a job in, in you know, building it uh, back up. That second goal really was the backbreaker for the Canucks head coach talking about that one in the postgame. Well, I didn't like the second goal. Bad change. Um, kind of, you know, we got a little bit flustered and, you know, that, that, that kind of goal, that, that goal killed us. I mean, we, we were okay until that goal. Yeah, absolutely. They're okay into that goal. And and the fact that it happens, you know, 
early in the third period there as well. You're like, come on, guys. It's one nothing going into the third here. We're in this fight. And then, you know, just that one sort of mistake leads to, you know, another one and somebody not picking up the trailer. And then it's in the back of the net at that point. And, and then it's a real fight against a team like L.A. Yeah, and I think he answered our question from earlier. He said it was a bad change there. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, again, true mi- yeah. mistakes sort of on top of each other, compounding the problem, and bucks in the back of the net. And again, at 2 nothing, it kind of felt like this game was over. Well, he mentioned that he was playing in his hometown or just outside of his hometown in Los Angeles. And Colin Delia, I mean, California kid. How many California goaltenders are there, J-Pat? Uh, not many, although Canucks have two of them uh, playing in his hometown. Obviously a treat, and he uh, he liked it. Yeah, they're fun to play in for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, anytime you get to go home, I went uh, back to my pop's house yesterday for a bit just to hang out, and that was great. You know, see some family members and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, you know, you have a couple friends and family, but otherwise, no different than a another game. A rarity, obviously, you know, playing in California in the NHL as a goaltender. So a pretty cool moment for him. Yeah, and the last time they were there a couple of weeks back, uh, the two guys split, and they're going to do it again here. So two Southern California guys each getting a chance to play in SoCal. And to answer your question uh, before the clip there, there have only been three in the National Hockey League history. That's three right. California-born goaltenders. guy by the name of John Blue is the other one. And so, uh, yeah, it's kind of wild. The two of them are teammates and getting an opportunity here late in the season each to play in these two Southern California buildings. Cause last time it was Delia in LA and then, or rather Demko in LA and Delia the next night in Anaheim. Yeah. And now they're going to flip it around. So uh, Thatcher Demko has only played at the Honda center once in his career for a guy that uh, was born in San Diego. So uh, any opportunity, I'm sure uh, a good one for him. So I'm sure he's looking forward. It's going to be his final uh, opportunity to play this season. We think and knock on wood that nothing happens to Delia in Arizona, that they get through that game unscathed, but the way it stands right now that uh, the start on Tuesday night against Anaheim will be the final game of the season for Thatcher Demko. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Time for my Bodog best bet and J Pat. Honestly, I don't know what I was thinking. Elias Patterson to record two or more points I had as my best bet tonight. I had a guy call me out on YouTube saying Wadden's way off. He's dreaming if he thinks that Patterson's going to get two points, let alone the Canucks are going to score two goals. There you go. And he wasn't wrong there as well. And as I look at, uh, our Ask J-Pats tonight, Ty writes in and says, what was Wadden thinking with that best bet? I hammered the under as soon as I heard it, so he gets all the credit, but none of the profits. So, yeah, no, you, listen, Ty and uh, the guy on YouTube that I'm forgetting right now, you guys are right. Like, that one was just me wanting Patterson to get to that 100-point mark and thinking he would do it with two, you know, two points, not just one, and then, yeah, anyway. So it got away from me, J. Pat, and I didn't get the victory. I need victories right now, too, especially on tonight when Canucks are, are losing games. I try to k- catch up with them, but I don't think I can catch them now. What are they at in total? 36? They're at 36, yes. Yeah, I can't catch them now. So that was a fun season, nonetheless, uh, with the Bodog best bets. And then we'll tally it up at the end and see how much money we made you at the uh, end of the season as well. A game and a hashtag is presented by Delaney's OK Tire out on Fraser Highway 
in Langley, and we'll kick things off with uh, a regular here on the game in a hashtag, and that's Josh Zamboni guy who says, hashtag, it's almost over. Yes, He's it riding is. it out. Yes, it is. <laughs> riding it out on the Zamboni. Uh, Discount Dracula, which is a great handle. I don't know what it means, but says, hashtag, anyone watch the whole game? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we stuck it up. Yeah, yeah we re- 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 recapped it all. Uh, Russ says, hashtag EP40 stuck at 99. Yes, he is. Marcus and Gibson says, hashtag closest thing to playoff hockey. Did you get that feeling from this game? Uh, no, outside of the little spell there in the second period. Yeah. But again, for the first 30 minutes of the game, there was nothing doing. Like It, it yeah. felt like a sort of a walk in the park. You're looking like a public skate, basically. Yeah. Uh, and then, again, it, it heated up briefly, and then the third period was uh, fairly quiet as well. D. Molson says, hashtag pass the bottle, Cheech. Yeah, Cheech talked about it uh, on the uh, post game, just saying that he's not really a big red wine guy, so... Interesting that they gave him a bottle of red. I'm sure Shorty will find a place for it, though. Can, uh, just, just to go back to, to the previous hashtag about play, closest thing to playoff hockey, again, I think because the Canucks haven't been involved in the playoffs for so long, uh, I, I think we people have kind of lost the plot a little bit. Like, because this one had a little bit of heat in the second period, all of a sudden this felt like this intense playoff battle. Like, sorry, has the bar been lowered that much in the market that this kind of is a substitute for now? Come on. No. Well, at the same time, too, then you've got Dawn with hashtag yawn. So you got <laughs> both sides of it here, right? Uh, Paul says hashtag Horvat heel turn. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Uh, Ken says hashtag flames re-eliminated. Yep, they're out now. Mm-hmm. Sorry to our buddy T-Mart. And we'll finish this with Ty, who uh, we just gave one of his SJ Pats, who said hashtag skunked. Yep. Yeah. All right, uh, there is a uh, Ash J. Pat here, and it is from Marcus as well. He says, uh, where did Bo- uh, Brock go? No drive, uh, lacks complete, and the quietest uh, compete, I think he said he meant, yeah. uh, quietest 50-point player. Yeah, and yet on this night, we said earlier that, you know, he was the guy that had probably their best looks and best chances. So, uh, yeah, it's been a disappointing season with the goal total. We've gone through this so often that the numbers are what the numbers are. Um, it's not easy to get 50 points in the National Hockey League. So I, 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 I think pro, overall productivity is all right. You want more goals. He's supposed to be a goal scorer. That's kind of has been his his superpower, uh, you know, to some degree in the National Hockey League, although has yet to get to 30 goals in any one season. And this was supposed to be the one, and obviously it's not going to happen. Uh, but let's take a second just to salute him at the very least for uh, his master nod uh, as selected by the professional hockey writers of Vancouver, the Vancouver chapter. Uh, all teams have a Bill Masterton nominee. I-, I always think that this award should just stop at the team level. I don't like pitting these guys that have overcome and persevered and play. everybody's challenges are different. And Brock Besser, obviously dealing with the passing of his father and then the hand injury and the, you know, the scar opening up again and got off to the slow start uh, and has played through it. And the Vancouver chapter of the professional hockey writers uh, decided that Brock Besser would be the Canucks nominee. And I just always feel like it should stop right there. But uh, don't three finalists will be named and somebody is going to win the Bill Masterton uh, when the league hands out its awards in Nashville just ahead of the draft. I uh, should mention as well, no Canuck has ever won the Masterton. I had to go look. Luke Shen was the nominee last year. Carey Price was the winner. So 
you know, it, it, it's one of those things. Like, how can I judge if Brock Besser should be a finalist? Like, has he injured more than another guy who's, you know, battled cancer or uh, had a sick family member or had a career-threatening injury? Like, I just, I, I never liked the idea of sort of pitting these guys against each other to try to come up with one guy. I just think it would be an an honor to be nominated out of your team, but I, I, I don't know. I just don't think it has to go any further than that, but uh, we can devote other episodes to changes we think should happen. I think we've already talked about changes we think should happen to the NHL awards. Uh, and there are a number of them. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. That's a weird one to sort of, you know, pit against one another, right? Hey, uh, congratulations. Yeah, your partnership you had, was, you know, yeah. better or worse. I'm not even sure. What, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's tough. That's tough. And this is going to be tough for you tonight as well. Who do you oh, think man. did oh. something in this game presented <laughs> by Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage? Yeah, only the second time all season the Canucks have been skunked. The other was uh, just before Christmas. Minnesota came to town. Also a 3 nothing victory that night for the Wild. Uh, this one, 3 nothing for the Kings. So certainly Jonas Kofrasalo did his job with 20 saves. Uh, three different goal scores. You know, not like anybody on the Kings absolutely stood out. And for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, we know Elias Pettersson stuck on 99 points, has two games now left to go. I saw somebody on Twitter coming at me and saying he was getting a little anxious that JT Miller got to the finish line last year, stuck on 99. I still think Pettersson will get there, the Ducks and the Coyotes. I think he's driven to get there. Um, but you don't want to leave it a chance. Like, do it tomorrow night in Anaheim. Don't let it get down to that final game of the season. So that'll certainly be one of the storylines heading into uh, the Canucks game against the Ducks. But, you know, as for the Canucks, who did anything? Nobody really did anything tonight. I mean, it, it, honestly, Colin Delia tried to give them a chance, held them in there. Sheldon dries, I suppose, if I was going to pick a guy, uh, you know, dropping the gloves and, and throwing them. JT Miller doing that as well. But, uh, hey. They got shut out by the Kings, so I'm going hashtag Royal Blanking, because uh, that's what happened at Crypto.com. The Canucks blanked by the Kings. So there's your hashtag to get in on the $25 to Dutch gift card. We're running out of opportunities. Uh, two more after this one, so we're down to the final three. Don't miss out. You just grab that hashtag and text it in. Wadden will give you the directions here in a sec. Royal Blanking is the hashtag tonight. And as always, did something a presentation of Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage as time winds down on the season. Jason wants to make sure time doesn't wind down on you when it gets to renewal season for your mortgage. Know what you're dealing with. Make sure you have all the paperwork in place. If you've got questions, reach out to him. He's got answers. He's the expert. This is what he does for a living. And he's helped out rink-wide listeners, and he wants to help you as well. So don't go it alone. Make sure that you have Jason Hominick from Jason.Mortgage on your side. Again, the website, Jason.Mortgage. All the contact info is there. And uh, give him a call. He wants to talk to you. And we want to give you some breakfast as well. So send that hashtag Royal Blanking into the Go Goat Sports inbox at 778-402-9680. And that'll get you into a draw to win $25 to BC's best breakfast. Check them out at thedutch.com. Quick turnaround for us. J-Pat will be back at it tomorrow. Pre-game, post-game, every game. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also, if you haven't uh, subscribed to the podcast here as well, please do so. And if you'd like to leave a review, anything like that, that would be fantastic. But tonight, not fantastic for the Canucks as they fall 3-0 in La La Land to the Kings. This has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show that always scores. <laughs>